we're very grateful to have a visitor today uh, from Atlanta. Cody Deese is the pastor of Vinings Lake Church, which is a fully inclusive, progressive church. Uh, we kind of view them as a sister church, if you will. Uh, they're, they're definitely along the same path that we've been on. Uh, Cody's been there for years leading that community. His wife, Katie, is here uh, with Katie, can you, just so everybody knows where you are. Uh, amazing couple. Uh, they've started recently uh, an inner city gathering called Atlanta Becoming that we are uh, watching closely as well. Their hearts are very much where ours are. So we're very pleased to have Cody with us today. Cody. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be here. Your weather sucks. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I absolutely love Nashville. We have a lot of friends here. And so it's... Uh, it's really good to be back. Uh, a couple things before we jump into the talk this morning. I'm told I have 30 minutes. It's kind of a big deal to me. Like at my church, I speak for an hour. Um, so this is, I'm going to need like all of your prayers and good vibes. Um, but uh, let me say a couple things to you as a church. And then uh, I have a couple of things that I want uh, to share uh, this morning. So first, um, I love Stan Mitchell. Come on. All right. Um, I'm just so grateful for that man. He, like, he's your founding pastor, and you couldn't have a better founding pastor than Stan. I actually spent two days with him this week. He was in Atlanta, and so we hung out, and I'm just grateful for him. Also, your leadership, um, all of you that volunteer, all of you that serve, that make this space happen, um, man, so fantastic. Thank you for what you do. Uh, you guys, I know that you know this because you've had like a lot of speakers, and I went on and watched a couple of them, um, but I don't think you can hear it enough. For those of you that have been with Grace Point for a while, um, I almost want to give you a standing ovation to say congratulations. Uh, you made it. You did it. Okay, because I know of what I speak. We took a church in the suburbs of Atlanta into a kind of post-evangelical, progressive, fully inclusive space, and it was hell, all right? Uh, and so we died. You know what I'm talking about? You know that archetypal pattern of death, burial, and resurrection? Like, that's what we went through, and I know that's what you went through, and what's beautiful about it is you didn't go around it, you actually went through it. And then you came out the other side, and here you are. All right? This is a beautiful space. And now I think you have another challenge. Uh, you led the way towards full inclusion for lots of other spiritual communities. But I actually think the world's watching now. And I think you have another challenge, and that is what does the future of spiritual collectives look like? And I think people are watching Grace Point, and I love that you have an opportunity now, like a blank sheet of paper, to start all over and draw whatever it is you want to draw. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, keep doing what you're doing. I'm so grateful for spaces like this and so thankful for a group of people <clears throat> that, that, that doesn't give up on what it is we are about, and I'm just extremely grateful for that. Now, that said... Uh, shall we give a sermon? Okay, a couple of things. One, 40% of my church is black, okay? 
um, which means they talk back. Now, I don't need you to affirm me, but I don't mind it, all right? Like, I need you to know that. So I'm not looking for any hecklers, but I am saying this. If you want to say amen, you're not going to hurt my feelings, all right? I was just in a hipster church not long ago, and they didn't say amen, but I was like in a good point in the sermon, and some kid in the back was like, retweet! I was like, apparently, like apparently that is the new amen in the hipster church, so... Times are changing, people. Okay, so I I won't mind that. Now, that said, uh, here's what I'd like to do this morning. Um, I want to give you a holiday survival guide, okay? Because here's what I know. All of us in this room, most of us probably either spent Thanksgiving with family and or you're going to spend Christmas with family And what I am aware of right now is it feels like the world is more polarized than it's ever been, okay? It feels like there's this massive divide right in the heart of our culture. And I've seen it like in our own space, our own community at Vinings Lake, but families, churches, communities, workplaces, if they're not already torn apart, it feels like they're being torn apart. I mean, it feels like social media. I mean, I don't know how many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you are on a social media uh, platform? Just raise your hand, I'm curious. Okay, great. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, social media, it can be a beautiful thing, um, I think it's what you make it. Like, I'm not here to be like, that's the, the devil and that's the enemy and my God, it's horrific and we should get off of it. But I am going to tell you this. I think there's so much hatred, vitriol, dehumanization and separation um, with faceless individuals. It just seems like everywhere you turn, there's this divide. And what I want to do this morning is whether you find yourself in some family relational conflict because of where you used to be and maybe where you are now or what you used to believe and what it is you believe now. I want to offer you some maybe healing, whole, fresh ways of navigating that divide. And I want to ask some big questions about that divide. Um, How will we move forward like as a culture? If we're more divided than ever right now, the question is, how will we move forward? Can the chasm be narrowed? In a better question, should it be narrowed? What is the cause of this division we find ourselves in right now? Are there spiritual reasons for things unfolding the way they are? Now, let me give you a couple disclaimers before I jump into this sermon, okay? First of all, talks on unity can be used as a tool for further oppression, okay? So let's establish that. Anytime you have, particularly someone that sits at the intersection of white and male in this particular climate talking about how we need to be unified, uh, the dashboard on your light should be going off. Like, yep, uh, that word unity sometimes can be code for stop resisting and protesting and get in line because this is where we want to go. Now, I'm not interested in that this morning, okay? Um, Our deep polarization isn't a problem to be solved, in my opinion, as much as it is a reality to mitigate. Now, here's what I mean by that. 
I'm not interested in giving a sermon about finding common ground right now, particularly when bodies are stacking up. Can I get an amen, right? But what I am interested in is a conversation about the universal flourishing of the human race. And so that's not a very big task at all today. I want to talk to you about the universal, the universal flourishing of the human race. Now, that said, I want to do it in the context of a story. So uh, you guys, stands your pastor, so for God's sakes, you know the Bible probably better than most people that go to seminary. Can, can I get an amen right now? Paul spends 18 months planning a church called Corinth, okay? And four years before writing this letter, 50, roughly 55 AD in 1 Corinthians, um, he spends 18 months planning this church, and then four years before writing this letter, this church begins to experience like a massive divide. And they're arguing and debating, but it's even beyond that, that they're actually splitting and separating And so Paul addresses that particular issue in 1 Corinthians, and that's what I want to do. I want to pick up there, and I just want to talk about, like, the world in which we found ourselves, this culture, this great polarization, and, like, how to navigate it, because it feels like that's what Paul is teaching us in this moment. Now, that said, a couple of things. Um, This church was splitting over the Eucharist. Um, Eucharist is a Greek word. You may call it communion, Lord's Supper, whatever your uh, tradition is and where you come from, I don't know. But uh, they w- there was a massive argument uh, within the church at Corinth about who should be coming to the table and who shouldn't be coming to the table. And for the record, at our church, we have no TSA screeners at our table, all right? Everyone is welcome to the blood and wine, all right, to, to the bread and wine. Everyone is welcome to participate. It is an open table, all right? Paul is addressing this issue because there were like wealthy people who were like, well, we should have our own table over to the side and the poor folks should have their own table over to the side. And Paul's like, no, you guys have already missed the whole point of the table. Um, They're wrestling over Eucharist. They're wrestling over um, idol foods, head coverings, marriage, sexuality. I mean, my God, thank God we've evolved as a culture, right? I mean, it is like they're wrestling over marriage. They're wrestling over resurrection. Is it literal? Is it metaphorical? I don't know. You tell me. This is the arguments that are taking place. And so what Paul does is he comes in and he says, okay, okay, uh, how can I talk to them about the seamless integrated unity of all things? Because they need to hear about that. So what is the best way I can get this to them? And so he does it by taking a metaphor from the Roman Empire and turning it on its head and allowing it to dance to a different tune, okay? Now, there's this metaphor that Caesar and the Roman Empire used. It was a metaphor about a body, okay? And what Paul does is he takes this metaphor and he spins it because in the Roman Empire, Caesar was the head of the body and the lesser members of society support the Roman hierarchy. And so what Paul does is he says, no, actually, here's what I want to do. I want to take your metaphor, Caesar, but then I want to turn it on its head and I want to talk about how there are no lesser members and Caesar isn't the head of the body, all right? Most of our scriptures are political documents, okay? Like a lot of what you read is Roman propaganda that these particular writers took and then turned it and twisted it on its head. It's actually quite subversive. It's one of the reasons I still deeply love this Jesus, right? 
Now, that said, I want to read this metaphor to you. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you don't have it in front of you, uh, I'm told it'll be on this screen, okay? Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? These are great questions. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And I'm going to skip down to verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. I'm going to repeat that because I think we need to sit on that, Okay. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Okay, okay. I want to make one point. So this can't be that difficult today, all right? One point, and then as we have time, uh, maybe two Possibly, if like things are going well on this first date, maybe I'll give you three implications, okay? Okay, okay. What is Paul getting at with this metaphor? Okay. All of life is interconnected and interdependent. The universe is one single, seamless reality. Beneath all the division, all the difference, and all the distinctions, there is a seamless, integrated unity that upholds everything. Come on, people. I worked hard on that point, all right? Okay, okay, okay. I appreciate that retweet. Okay, let me repeat this. All of life is interconnected and independent. Now, we need to hear this, all right? Particularly as like good progressives, okay? Because, come on, let's be honest. The polarization is real. And this idea is really hard for progressives to hear. Honestly, this is like an uncomfortable talk for us, okay? So I think we need to sit in this for just a moment and understand what the implications of this are. All of life is interconnected and inter- interdependent. The universe is one seamless reality beneath all the division, difference, and distinction. There is a seamless, integrated unity that up. 
holds everything. Here's the, here's the point. You are, I am, a smaller part of a larger body. You are a smaller part of a larger body. And underneath all of the division, underneath all of the differences, underneath all of the separation, what I want you to understand, Paul's using this metaphor to say, here's the thing, there is a seamless, integrated unity that upholds everything. Now, that said, uh, let me give you two illustrations of this. First of all, your body, okay? Uh, You're made up of systems. So you have like the immune system, the skeletal system, you're made up of systems. These systems are made up of cells, These cells are made up of molecules. These molecules are made up of atoms. These atoms are made up of particles. You get the idea, right? It starts small, and then it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. We are all made up of the exact same thing that the chair you sit in is made up. Do you understand? Seamless, integrated unity. You are one with your chair, all right? This is how the body is structured, okay? Uh, maybe for you it would be help if I give you like a geographical example. Think about it this way. You have streets, right? Streets make up what? Neighborhoods. Neighborhoods make up towns. Towns make up cities. Cities make up states. States make up nations. Nations make up continents. And on and on the list goes. Do you understand? You are a small part but you are a part of a larger collective body. And this is the process of growth. This is the whole point of growth. I spend most of my time during the week uh, with an organization called Presence, and uh, I help give maps and chart what's happening in spiritual collectives around the world. And uh, what is transpiring in churches around the world, we talk a lot about stages of consciousness. We talk a lot about how growth happens, what's happening inside these spiritual collectives, what's happening in Nashville, what's happening in Atlanta. Like, what does the future of spiritual collectives look like? What is it the divine seems to be doing in the world around us? And so what I do is I, I give a lot of my energies to different leaders and pastors that are also navigating um, steps toward greater inclusion, greater freedom, greater complexity, all of those things. And what's interesting to me is that what you find is a trajectory or a pattern. So there's this guy by the name of Ken Wilbur, whom I love, and Ken Wilbur talks about this trajectory of growth or growth of consciousness. And what happens is, is all of us are kind of born at this egocentric stage of consciousness, right? Where it's all about the individual. It's all about us. It's all about I. And this is why it's really important to recognize that when you have like a leader of a free world and they've never moved from a first stage of consciousness, you might can relate to this. Just hang on with me, okay? Um, and it's like somehow they stayed at like an egocentric type level and they never evolved or matured to a second stage of consciousness. It's like really, that, that can be really, really dangerous, right? And so, so this, is, this is kind of the stages of consciousness. This is how we evolve. And what I want you to see is Paul's kind of moving us to later stages of consciousness. He's moving us to later stages of maturity. Now, a lot of our culture stayed at the egocentric level. I mean, think about right now our obsession with the personal, 
our obsession with the individual, our obsession with the intimate, our obsession with the devotional and the private. It even has kind of creeped into like the church world. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, in the church I grew up in, uh, they used to pass the Eucharist. And we're like at our church, we have a table and it sits at the center because it is the center of everything we do. And so we keep it there, but everyone collectively comes to the table, which is the point, by the way, right? Like the point of the Eucharist is that we all need to be reminded that we are a small part of a larger body. But what's interesting about this is, is in the world I grew up in, the church I grew up in, uh, they stopped all coming to a table, but they started passing individual cups, right? Now, we didn't have wine. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, um, so we had grape juice, all right? Um, but what's interesting uh, is we would all have our own individual relationships with God. And we like sipped our juice and then we ate our cracker and we just kind of did our thing, which is kind of missing the whole point of the Eucharist. And that is we all collectively in all of our differences and all of our divisions and all of our distinctions and all of our labels come together to a table and participate in this sacrament. Because what began to happen is we kind of got stuck at this egocentric level. But what all the good theorists say is there's actually a stage of consciousness beyond egocentrism. And that is we move from egocentricity to ethnocentricity, right? I mean, this is good, like Christianity is a very ethnocentric religion. Um, but you don't stop there either. The hope is that you evolve from egocentric to ethnocentric to world-centric to some theorists now say soul-centric, or ecocentric is that you realize the trees, the stars, uh, the stars, the sky, this building, these chairs are all deeply interconnected. All the gurus you read, sometimes you're like, what kind of psychedelics are they taking? Okay, now just hang with me. All the gurus you read will talk about how they have an experience and there's this seamless integrated unity of all things that they experience and they feel. And this is what Paul is getting at. Paul's like, if, like if we're gonna move forward, well, we're all going to have to realize that we're all deeply interconnected with each other. Okay? Now, this is good news for some of you who thought you've always wanted something larger than yourself to live for. This is good news for you. At my church uh, about three weeks ago, um, I was out in the lobby, and there's this, like, group of people that they're, they call themselves, like, they're a, their own family, and they came to the lobby, and um, they uh, brought their phone, and they were like, hey, can we get a family photo? Well, I'm like the pastor speaker guy, so I was like, sure. And so I was like, who's going to take the photo? And they were like, you are. I'm like, wait, hold on. Okay, have you ever had that moment, right, where you, like, literally is like, hey, I want a family photo, and I just assume, because I'm narcissistic, that, oh, well, they want me to be in the family photo, but then I'm like, well, who's going to take the photo? It was like one of those really embarrassing moments, but it's also one of those like, my God, I'm not a part of the family. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm just like, I can't, I, this is awful. Um, so I take the photo um, and I just stand there and uh, they felt really sorry for me. So they did allow me to get in one photo, which is great. But here's the thing. All I want to say to you is, is you are a part of a larger family, okay? Like you need to know that. You are a small part of a larger family body. That's the main point. Now, um, we've got a couple minutes left. How about I do three implications? How you feeling? You okay? Good. It's not bad for a Sunday morning. You people are cool. I like you. All right. It's working well. Um, okay. Three implications. One, if it's true that we are 
a seamless, integrated unity. We're all deeply interconnected. If that's true, then there are some implications to this that I want to talk about. One, here's what this means. Your role and function in the body matters. Okay? Your role and function in the body matters. Uh, if you are a toe, we need you to be a toe. Do you understand that? I, when I see toes trying to be ears, total miss. Okay? We don't need four ears. All right? If you are a toe, be a toe. If you are a head, be a head. If you are an ear, be an ear. Be who it is you are. Now, here's what this also means. We need you to take care of yourself. I can't tell you, like, like we need to do a tour across the world on self-care right now. I need you to understand something, Grace Point. We need you in your lane. Do you understand that? We need Grace Point to be and do all Grace Point is called to be and do. And so if you're going to do that, we must practice some self-care, okay? Because I'm thinking marathon. Are you with me, right? By the way, I'm 37 years old, just ran my first marathon. Come on. Hey, and I... Uh, I make sure to try to tell everyone I meet that, all right? Because I don't know that I'll ever run one again, but um, it was fun while it lasted. But here's the thing. The thing about marathons is we're talking about, like, we're in the long game. You know what I'm talking about? And that's the thing about Grace Point that I thought, well, what can I say to them? Here's what I want to say to you. Uh, you're in the long game here. You've come this far. You're not turning around or stopping now, right? You actually have the momentum now. So, like, we need longevity. And if that's going to happen, here's what I need you to understand. You're going to have to protect yourself from toxins in the body. One writer said this, if we are a body, like Paul says, then we are one that is afflicted with an autoimmune disease. And if your role and function in the body matters, then here's the thing. You're going to have to practice some self-care. This is the whole point when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so you respect yourself, you honor yourself, and you protect yourselves from other toxins in the body. Now, this is 101 relational uh, work here. So maybe I can save you a couple dollars in therapy. So just hang with me. It's called boundaries, Okay. And we need to strengthen our boundaries to protect whatever role and function we have in the body. My wife and I practice this all the time. Two and a half years ago, I made the third greatest decision of my life to get off of Facebook. Okay? Because what happened for me is I began to realize that I was exposing myself to painful ideas that were dishonoring the divine image of God in me. And I would say that to you, as you navigate this divide, seriously, question, who are the people in your life that when you enter their orbit, it takes you days to recover? You know what I'm talking about, right? Who are the people in your life that you know it's like that one statement and they set you off and it takes you a week to recover from that encounter? I want to ask you something. Why do you keep engaging them? And this I meet people all the time is like, Facebook just destroyed my whole day. Well, who said you had to go on there? There's like no law in the Constitution that says you have to be on Facebook, right? Like, why do you, I would never tell anyone in this church who is married to a spouse that abused them that you, you should always go back to your abuser. Why do you keep running back to your abuser? It's called boundaries. 
my wife and I two and a half years ago decided that we need to increase our boundaries with who and what we interact with because our energies are deeply sacred. Do you understand that? We need the body to be as healthy as the body can be. You only have a select amount of energy, so protect the energy you do have. One of my mentors is a a man uh, by the name of Rob Bell, and uh, I love Rob. He has poured into me, and we're almost on like a weekly email thing back and forth with each other. And uh, he sent me an email, and I asked if I could share it with you guys because I don't want to just share personal things. But he sent me one, and I thought, my God, Grace Point needs to hear this. Because we were talking about boundaries and um, what... Uh, and how to operate and navigate the intensity. And I know you guys, being the church you're in, you've had that relational conflict. You've walked through those. How do you navigate it? What do you do? What do you not do? How do you protect yourself? How do you get the body functioning in a healthy way? And I love this. He sent me an email, and he said this. He said, okay, Cody, number one, love your wife, okay? My wife and I have been married for 15 years. Come on, all right? Now, love your wife. Uh, Give great sermons, have stronger boundaries about what you interact with. He said, I don't do email before 3 p.m. I mean, what if you guys got serious about your energy and you're like, I'm not checking emails till 3 p.m. Now, some of your business would collapse. I don't recommend it, all right? Others of you, man, this is a good idea, okay? I don't do email for them. I never Google my name. I don't go on Facebook or Twitter ever. See what I mean? He said this, I choose what world I'm going to live in. Now, obviously, there are things that you can't avoid. But other than that, protect yourself. This is how you love yourself, Cody. You don't surround yourself with religious BS. Are you with me? He said this, this is a stewardship issue. You have a gift to give. Grace point, I need you to understand that. You have a gift to give. And we need all of your energies dialed in and focused on the work you're here to do. So block the things out that aren't why you're here. You're like an athlete in training. Only allow in what helps you do your work. You are a small part of a deeply interconnected large body. And we need you to be healthy. We need you to do your work, okay? Um, How about I read the next two applications and then we'll be done. You good? Okay. Uh, Maybe we'll all go to eat somewhere. I don't know. I'm told Nashville has good food. We'll figure it out, all right? Number two, uh, if we are a seamless integrated unity, then your role and function matters in the body. And then second, uh, you just need to know this, and I'll say it real fast. You're larger than your labels, Okay? Of course, you're a toe. Yes, embrace that. Embrace all of your toeness. I think that's fantastic. Be proud of your toe. I love it. It's great. Okay? But, 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 but. Just know you're much larger than that label. Okay? Here's, Here's what I mean by that. Divisions are often caused by clinging to labels. Okay? Like, oh, well, I am a progressive or I am a liberal. Like, that's how divisions happen is you cling too much to the labels. Okay? Now, here's what I'm trying to get at. We can celebrate those differences, but not cling to those differences. You embrace who you are at the surface levels while simultaneously acknowledging that all the divisions, categories, and labels are descriptive labels, not value labels. There's a big difference, and we need to learn that as a culture, okay? Nothing wrong with labels. 
but there is a difference between descriptive labels and value labels. I mean, can we preach for just a second? I know I'm going a little bit over, but just hang with me because you got to hear this. Um, There is nothing more nauseating than meeting good postmoderns who think they're more enlightened than everyone else. There is nothing more nauseating than meeting someone like, well, I'm second tier stage of consciousness and I've got it all figured out and you're just a little peasant country person who doesn't have it all figured out. Dear God, the very person who claims to be second tier enlightened is usually someone who isn't. (laughs) And I think we have to be really careful about clinging to these labels Because what begins to happen is those labels begin to be value labels that we place on people. Like, well, we're up here and you're kind of down here. And for the record, that's exactly what Paul was dealing with in the church. Is the wealthy were like, we're here and the poor is kind of down here. This is the whole point of Galatians 3.28. There is neither no Jew or Gentile, no slave or free nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to be very clear, okay? This does not mean we, we are colorblind. Good Lord, nothing offends black culture more than that. They go to my church, I get it. We've had heavy discussions about this. Because when you say, oh yeah, I don't see all the labels, I see through them. Like that sounds great in theory, but you're erasing their lives and their history. That's why I say you simultaneously embrace your humanness, because I believe, I believe Jesus like, has come to lead us deeper into our humanity. While at the same time recognizing you are not your labels, but you're a part of something much larger than those labels. And then let me give you this last one. Uh, if everything is an integrated, seamless unity, and we're all deeply interconnected and independent, then we'll just close with this one. Then that means... It eliminates us versus them. Because here's what you need to understand. What you do to the part, you do to the whole. John Philip Newell, I love that guy. He said this, the growing consciousness is that life is interwoven. That reality is a web of interrelated influences and that what we do to the part, we do to the whole. This is, this is why this metaphor should motivate us to work for the issues of injustice we find ourselves in. Because here's the thing, kids getting tear gassed on a border Like for lots of people that live in America and are nice air conditioning homes, we just kind of sit there and we're like, man, I'll be praying. Okay, and some people are like, not really my thing. Okay, what you do to the part, you do to the whole. Do you understand that? This is our problem. It's called humanity. We are one collective body. When one part suffers, we all suffer. And this is hard for us, right? I mean, I'll be the first to tell you. Seeing with this dual lens of us and them. It's almost like one writer says, yeah, you need a third eye. (laughs) So so like our good Middle Eastern people put a dot in their head. Yes, 
Should we all put one on our heads? So maybe it could be a reminder this week that there is a third way of seeing things and that this deep dualistic mindset of us and them, right and left, may the lines be blurred and may we begin to see actually all these labels are fine and good, but underneath all this is held up and we are all interconnected and independent, interdependent with each other. And this is something I think we need to be reminded and then I'm done because, look, I'm in it, okay? I'm in it. Um, I'm proud to tell you that I have successfully grown my church from 600 people to 200, okay? Um, uh, two, about two years ago, uh, we stepped out with a statement of full inclusion uh, with our LGBTQIA brothers and sisters and um, people got pissed, and just a whole crew. You got, I'm, I've heard you're familiar with this. People got upset and just walked out. Um, and shortly after that, uh, at our church, I was walking through a series of teachings on um, uh, peace. It was like a Christmas series on peace. And we decided to hire a blacksmith. And uh, so I hired a blacksmith, uh, a female blacksmith. Because you're going to get a blacksmith. It's got to be a woman. Um, so we hired a female blacksmith. And she came and... Um, since we were talking about peace, she, uh, we bought uh, guns, we got guns, and then she beat them into garden tools because instead of building a mega church on our property, we put a garden on the property. Um, and so, but check this out. We did it, and I had scheduled it like three months before, but what I didn't know is uh, the NRA was having a convention uh, in the city the same day we did that. And so it was like a whole group of people like, we see what you're doing. And they all like got up and walked out. And I'm just like, I couldn't plan that. Like some things you got to just say the universe is doing what the universe does, okay? I'm just saying, I know something about us and them. I do. I, I remember uh, we, did a, we did another Christmas series one time and I brought in one of my Muslim friends. And I was like, bro, I want you to teach at our church. And I just want you to spend 30 minutes talking about Islamophobia. <laughs> That went over really well, because nothing says Merry Christmas like that, right? No. <laughs> so, so he gets up and speaks. There's like a whole group of people just walked out, and I'm just telling you, four years as a pastor, um, the greatest education I've ever received in my entire life. But I'm also learning something. It is not us versus them. We are all deeply interconnected with each other. And so I've learned a couple things, and I'll share this in closing and maybe to help you. Uh, there's this great lady, her name's Christina Cleveland. She wrote a book called Disunity in Christ. And uh, Christina Cleveland has a practice that I've incorporated in my life, and I'll leave you with this, so maybe you take it. This is the Holiday Survival Guide Edition, all right? So maybe you take it with you, okay? This is for you. This is, um, I hope it helps. She says when she encounters someone, you know what I'm talking about because we all have that someone, right? So you're going to go to Christmas. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to go to Christmas and there's that uncle because everyone has like Uncle Mike. You know what I'm talking about? And Uncle Mike, like he, Fox News plays 24 hours a day in his house and the man thinks he has the world completely figured out, okay? And Uncle Mike's going to say something because it just happens. Uncle Mike's going to say something and it's going to lodge in your frontal cortex like like an awful Miley Cyrus song on repeat, okay? Like just, you know what I'm talking about. And you, you are prepared, you're like, 
I've done yoga, I am enlightened, I will not fall into this, everything is gonna be fine, but all of a sudden, that one statement, and it's like, I don't know what happens to you, you move down in what they call like warrior stages of consciousness, which is like, I suddenly believe in guns again, right? Like, like you just start, just like, okay, pause, pause, breathe in, May the image of God in me greet the image of God in you. Pause. Breathe in. May the image of God in me greet the image of God in you. Ladies and gentlemen, That's my holiday survival guide for you. You're welcome. Okay, okay, let's pray. Okay. Uh, I'll pray, I will pray for all of us, but I'll pray for you as we continue to navigate this great polarization that we find ourselves in. God, thank you. Thank you for this collective. Thank you for these beautiful, beautiful people. Thank you for the staff, this leadership, for all of us in this room as we navigate relational conflict. God, may we recognize everything is interdependent and interconnected. God, wake us up to what we can't see. Wake us up to the integrated, seamless unity of everything. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Cody, so much. That was great. Wow. On behalf of our entire Grace Point family, we want to take this opportunity to welcome you again. We also want to say welcome to those watching online. We're so grateful that you chose to be here today. Um, Like Walgreens and CVS, especially in this community here, we know there's many options and we're we're very grateful that you chose to walk through these doors here. Those who are a committed part of our family uh, via our online extension, we want to express how grateful we are to you too. We know that you're there, we hear from you, and we greatly appreciate that. As Cody mentioned, uh, we have a unique calling. And it really is true to see how we've come out from the other side. Uh, I'm so excited about what we're doing here together with you. You guys are a big part of that. You are Grace Point. You influence what happens here. And the only way that we can fulfill that mission is with your help. Cody, I'm probably going to use that whole toe thing this week. That may be the nicest thing I get called all week. I don't know. Um, But whatever that part is that you play, whether it's volunteering, uh, working with kids, just giving somebody else a hug, helping put up chairs, uh, it's, it's so important about what we do here and about who we are. We rely on your gifts, whatever they may be, service, financial or otherwise, To our guests, know that we have no expectation for you to give today, but what you can do is pick up one of those cards in the back. Looks like this. 
just drop it in one of the boxes, hand it to one of the people with the name tags, hand it to the people back at the table. That helps us get connected to you, to know who you are so we can find out more about you, how you can be a part of our community and we can be a part of yours as well. There are multiple ways that you can give. The easiest way is through PushPay. It's a very easy app you can download on your phone. Uh, there's a, an iPad up on the table over there with a square. We'll be passing the plates in a second. Those who are collecting, feel free to come up. We're also in the stages of putting together next year's budget. It's hard to believe we're at that time of year already. And so recurring giving is another way that, that honestly very much helps us, helps us plan. We believe we have a lot of important things to do in this community, uh, and this is only the beginning. So bless you as you give.